Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our study through the book of Philippians, and I am excited to jump into this. In fact, today we're going to be getting into my, really probably my favorite verse, at least my favorite verse in the New Testament. I, I become really partial as well to Psalm 19, verse 7. Uh, that and Philippians 121 are my favorite verses. I, I really do believe that uh, those are my favorite verses in all of Scripture, so I am excited to look at that today. Um, and so let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into it here in Philippians chapter 1, and let's read the whole chapter. It says this, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints of Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work and you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both is in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace." For God is my witness, how greatly I have longed for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things which are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition. Not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, and yes, will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this will mean the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be made more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel." and not in any way terrified of your adversaries, which to them is proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here that is in me. 
Well, verses 20 and 21, it says this once again, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, I I want you to realize that the Apostle Paul had an expectation for his life. The Apostle Paul had an expectation for his life, and I think this is important because I, I, I don't think many Christians really have an expectation for their life. They're just—if I, I, you're, you're listening to this, uh, hopefully that's, this isn't the case, but most people today are just kind of drifting through life. They, they get up, they do the thing that they do, and, you know, uh, they, they put—you know, they, they, they put on some Jesus music, and, you know, they go to church on Sunday, but, but they really don't have an expectation for their life. That they really don't have a strong goal. They really don't have something that they're striving for, that there's just no expectation that they have of themselves. But the Apostle Paul has this expectation, and his expectation ultimately is that Christ will be magnified in his body. Do we have that expectation? Do you have that expectation in your life that when you are walking down the street, Christ will be magnified? When you go to work, are you going, Christ will be magnified? When you go to school, are you saying Christ will be magnified? When you're around your friends, are you saying that Christ will be magnified? When you are around your family, are you saying Christ will be magnified? When you're alone by yourself, are you saying Christ will be magnified? Is that your expectation in life? That in everything that you do, that you go and you say, look, I'm going to be like John the Baptist, and I'm going to say more of him and less of me. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here that I have this expectation that in my life people will see less of me and they will see more of him. They will see that I am decreasing while Christ is increasing. He is taking more and more of my life and people are able to see more and more of Christ. But you know, it's not just that he has an expectation that Christ would be magnified in his body. And this is important to realize that it's in his body. It's it's while he is on this earth, his goal, his intention, his expectation for his life is that Christ would be magnified. But it's not just that. He, he says it's an earnest expectation. We could talk a while about that. We, will, we won't do that today. Uh, but that, that would just be tremendous to, spe- to spend some time on that. Um, but he goes and he says that everything that he does, he's not going to be ashamed of. And he's going to do it with all boldness. Now, these are these are two important concepts to realize, because I think that there are a lot of people who at least will give the Sunday school answer of realizing, yes, I want Christ to be magnified in my life. And I say the Sunday school answer, not that it's the wrong answer, because it's certainly the right answer. But I, I remember the first Sunday school class that I taught, and I, I would go and I would ask a question and it would be like, what does sanctification mean? And, and it was fourth through sixth grade boys. And there was this one kid, you know, I, I called him Sunday school Bob. His name wasn't Bob, but I mean, this was just, the, you'll understand. He would answer the question, what does it mean? What does sanctification mean? And he would go and answer the question, um, I know the answer. It means to be sanctified. Well, what does uh, to be sanctified mean? Well, it means sanctification. And I would roll my eyes because I would go, you have no idea 
what this means. I'd ask the question, what did we learn about last week in review? And he would go, ah, Jesus. We learned about Jesus. You know, those are the, the, the Sunday school answers, the ones that are, are, are kind of obvious that, that, that you know that you should say, right? You know that you should say that we should glorify God, that we should magnify Christ. You, you, you know that as a Christian. But the Apostle Paul really in verse 20 powerfully puts it when he says that, that nothing he does he's going to be ashamed of and that with all boldness he's going to magnify Christ. You see, the not being ashamed is going and saying that his expectation for himself is that he will live his life in such a way that it will not just magnify Christ, but that when he magnifies Christ, there will be no shame. Because though there will be people who try to shame him, my goodness, he, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was put in prison. He had all of these things happen to him. You don't think that they said mean things to him too. They certainly did. But he's going and saying, none of that bothers me. I'm not going to be ashamed of magnifying Christ because they are the crazy ones. Is your expectation to live your life in such a way that you have you are so convinced of who Christ is that you've had such a paradigm shift that when you go and somebody tries to make fun of you for magnifying Christ, that you turn and you look at them like they're the weirdo? Because the reality of it is, is that they are the weirdos because one day we will all stand before Christ. Or it's what we're going to read in chapter 2. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so, therefore, they're the crazy ones for not magnifying Christ. But then he also says he's going to do it with all boldness. You know, this is a convicting statement. Because a lot of times we want to magnify Christ, but then we kind of get this idea of what does it mean to magnify Christ confused by going and saying, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, join in with the jeering or the shaming of the name of Christ. But did we really magnify Christ? Did we really make Christ biggest in that moment to everybody that was around? Did we do that? Or did we just, you know, merely leave Christ out of it, but we didn't say anything negative about Christ? And then we go, well, I magnified Christ because I didn't say something negative. No, that just means that that, that just means that you weren't uh, actively minimizing Christ. But if you're not if you're not magnifying Christ, you you are ultimately minimizing Christ. You just might not be intentionally minimizing Christ. You might not be aggressively minimizing Christ but you are minimizing him. You're failing to maximize him. But this is what the Apostle Paul says. And remember, he's not saying this joking around because eventually he loses his head for Christ. He eventually dies for the sake of Christ. And he goes and he says, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. He says, look, if you let me live, Roman government, I am going to magnify Christ, and I'm going to do it with all boldness. And if you kill me, I am not going to turn on Christ in the last moments. I'm going to stay true and faithful to him no matter what, and that is going to magnify him as well. And then he comes to my favorite verse. 
For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if you're reading this in your Bible, it's it's likely that the word is, the word is both both times it's used in this verse is italicized. And this is because it's it's not there in the, the, the Greek. It's it's added for for our clarification. And so it really should read this for to me to live Christ and to die gain. Now that's terrible grammar. It's terrible English because it doesn't make much sense when you're reading it. And that's because there's no verb when you read it without the word is. Is is the linking or the helping verb. And I think that this is intentional because the Apostle Paul isn't saying that he's going to do an action of living for Christ. He's saying that his lifestyle is for Christ. That's what his lifestyle is. He's not trying to present an action. He's not telling you do this action. He's saying live this life. For to me, to live Christ, it's a lifestyle. It's consuming me. This is who I am. It's my identity that I am going to live for Christ. Not an action that I do on Sunday. Not an action that I just do once in a while, but this is going to be the essence of who I am. I am going to live for Christ. And I think these are some of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture because it really lays forth the blueprint. And if you get these two verses right as a Christian— you're going to live a successful Christian life. If you are magnifying, if you have the expectation in your life, that's important. Put an expectation on your life. What are you expecting with your life? Your expectation should be that Christ would be magnified in your body. And if you're magnifying Christ in your body and you're doing it in a way that it doesn't matter what comes against you, you're not going to be ashamed and you're going to do it with all boldness and you say, look, this isn't just an action that I'm going to try out once or twice to see if I like it, but it is going to be a lifestyle, then you will be a successful Christian. That's the reality of it. And then the Apostle Paul, I, I love that he says this, and to die is gain. Now, why do I love this? I love this because when you live a lifestyle of Christ— when you go and you say, I'm going to magnify Christ with all boldness, it's my expectation, and I'm not going to be ashamed of it. When you go out and you live in that way, people get mad and you get death threats. That's the reality of it. I can tell you, I've had death threats. I know other people have had death threats. Yeah, even, even now in the United States, I, I've had death threats for going and saying, look, I'm going to stand up for Jesus Christ in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. And when you stand up for Christ in such a way, when you magnify Christ in such a way that, that you're going out there and you're getting death threats, guess what? You can turn, you can, you can say, look, you threatening me with heaven? What? That's gain. I'm not saying I want to die, but look, because look, the Apostle Paul comes back and he says this too. He says, he says it's, I'm in a straight betwixt between the two because it's more needful for, for you that I am here. So, like, I, I understand that, that I'm not coming out here saying, like, look, hey, we, you as a Christian, you should go around saying, hey, I want to die. No, you should want to complete the work that God has given you. But when somebody goes and they, they threaten you, you need to understand 
you can turn to them and say, are you threatening me with heaven? You threatening me with heaven? You, you think heaven's going to be worse than what it is here? Man, you don't know what you're threatening me with because that's gain. You're telling me I get to go see my Savior? Woohoo! That's awesome. They don't know how to respond. They don't know how to react. They don't know what to do. So today, I want to just challenge you to live a successful Christian life by going and living a lifestyle of Christ, by magnifying Christ and that being your expectation and doing so with all boldness and not being ashamed when Christ is magnified. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting will end